AM 950, FM 94.9. The answer. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollock Show. Welcome to the first ever David Pollock Show. That's right, and what a time to start a radio show, am I right? This show was supposed to be about the state of politics in America. Following the theme of the show open, we were going to talk about why everybody is so mad lately and who they should be mad at versus who they're told to be mad at. But then something happened. A prosecutor in Manhattan who was elected on the theme of getting Trump convinced a grand jury to indict the former president. A first in our nation's history. Sure, this follows a lot of firsts. The first time someone was elected president that neither served in the military nor previously held political office. The first time that a presidential candidate and then president-elect was spied on by U.S. intelligence. The first time a president was impeached twice. And the first time a president was impeached after he left office. All of this, and likely so much more, because a man made a promise. A promise to take this country back from the political parties that ruled it, and give it back to the people. A promise to put America first. I'm sure the next 24 hours will be filled with many other firsts, and some will surely celebrate. Many will sit in horror as they witness our country's 45th president fingerprinted, booked, and arraigned in one of the most unconscionable abuses of power in our nation's history. Regardless of how you feel about President Trump, whether you love him or hate him, or just wish he'd tweet nicer, What we are witnessing is the ultimate betrayal of what used to be the one institution free of obvious political bias. This is a dark new phase in the war against Trump and those who support him. And it's only the first battle. On deck, the Fulton County prosecutor says she's going to look at charges of election interference. The Justice Department is looking at evidence tampering from Mar-a-Lago. It seems the Democrats are willing to burn down this country in an effort to win, even with us trapped inside. At the end of the day, this is not an attack on Trump. It's an attack on our democracy. As an American, I'm sickened. And regardless of your political affiliation, if you're an American, you should be sickened too. I want to bring in my first guest, Scott Pressler. You know him uh, as the persistence on Twitter. You might know him for his great hair and awesome boots. Or you might know him as the hardest working Republican in the country, spending his treasure and time to save America one election at a time. And now he's braving the cold in Wisconsin. Scott Pressler, my good buddy, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. And I guess it's going to last an infamy that I was your very first guest on your show. Thank you for having me. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I, and I love the <laughs> Wisconsin accent that's creeping in. I think you're going to have to keep it. It makes you sound folksy. <laughs> Well, welcome. And listen, I want to get your opinion, and I definitely want to talk about Wisconsin, but I want to get your opinion on on how you feel about all of this right now. I mean, for me, this has been a lot to process, watching the news, watching Trump Force One take off today. I just, 
you know, I, I can't help but feel kind of sad right now for this country, and I don't want to get your take on it. Look, if they can come after President Trump, they can now come after any of us. This is clearly a two-tier injustice system that they're going to go after President Trump. Meanwhile, you know, let's make it relatable to Wisconsin and why I'm here in this state. I'm on board with Justice Daniel Kelly fighting for him to become the next Wisconsin Supreme Court justice. His opponent, for example, gave no jail time to a criminal who was convicted of sexually assaulting a minor. No jail time. And so for everybody out there that's cheering on President Trump's indictment, why are they still going to vote for somebody who gave no jail time to a convicted criminal? And it just shows you that the people on the left, they don't care. They are going to come after every single one of us because we are freedom-loving fighters peacefully just advocating for the Constitution of the United States. And it doesn't matter if they can do this to Trump. They can do this to every single one of us. Right. And that's why the election in Wisconsin is so important. I know a lot of people out in my listening area in Florida, they're like, hey, what's going on in Wisconsin? Um, but the thing is, the Supreme Court in, in Wisconsin, right now, I think there's a Republican majority by just one vote. And we remember how important this state is um, in the presidential election. Now, if this election doesn't go the Republicans' way, I mean, what does that mean for the country, not just Wisconsin? Well, I want Florida voters to understand how this impacts them. Let's make it clear. The White House runs through Wisconsin. And right now, the court, the Supreme Court is four to three conservative. A conservative is retiring, meaning that if we don't elect Justice Daniel Kelly on April 4th, tomorrow, Election Day, that conservative court will quickly flip to liberal. And the liberal opponent of Justice Daniel Kelly has already indicated she'll get rid of voter ID laws. So get rid of proof of residency, which is required to register to vote, and unmanned drop boxes, which are currently illegal, will become legal going into 2024. So if you're at home and you want to make Joe Biden a one-term president and you want to elect a Republican president and you are vehemently opposed to the injustice that is being done to President Trump, then I implore you. You can make phone calls from the comfort of your home in Florida into the great state of Wisconsin, into northwest Wisconsin, which we really need to get out the vote. And you can download the application Early Vote Action. Early Vote Action on your iPhone or Android. It's so easy. It's user-friendly. And you will be making a tangible outcome, helping to make sure that we win this election tomorrow with Justice Daniel Kelly on April 4th, because it's not just about Wisconsin. This is going to affect Florida. This is going to affect every voter going into the 2024 presidential election. Yeah, and if one thing people should realize, you know, we have one rogue prosecutor in New York. I mean, you talk about Wisconsin affecting not just Florida, but the entire country. It's crazy how one election, one state, one justice can have such a huge impact on the entire country. In a way, it's a sad place in this country where now we have to look at our judicial elections and think about how that might impact the rest of us. You know, bias has political bias has crept its way just about into every sacred institution. And this is just another perfect example. And I know you're working your butt off out there, you know, in the cold, trying to get people aware of how significant this is. But, man, what do you think about this trend of one election, one seat, one judge, one prosecutor having such an impact on the entire country? Well, it just shows you how important it is that we vote in local elections. Yes, school board does matter. Yes, city council does matter. Yes, mayor does matter. Yes, Supreme Court does matter. Look at Florida. Look at the 2000 elections where 
the presidency was decided by a swing state of Florida by hundreds of votes. So this does matter. These local races do matter. I'm running out of time, David. I have to speak at an event here in Waukesha, Wisconsin. I wanted to make you a priority. That's why I'm here. I'm making commitments to be on the David Pollock Show. That's right. I thank you for having me. And anyone at home that wants to get involved, contribute, justicesaniorkelly.com. Or if you know any Wisconsinites, if you know anybody in Wisconsin, beg with them, plead with them, urge them, motivate them to vote. They can find their polling location by going to myvote.wi.gov. And again, you can download the application Early Vote Action. Spend the day tomorrow making phone calls from the comfort of your home. Do everything you can to help elect Justice Daniel Kelly. David Pollack, thank you for having me. I got to go. It was such an honor to be your first ever guest on The David Pollack Show. Scott Pressler, man, I love you. You keep fighting the good fight, and this, this country owes you a debt of gratitude for all the work you're doing out there. Keep up the fight, man. Good luck tomorrow for us and you. Thank you. Well, there you heard it. Um, you know, Scott Pressler's out there working hard in Wisconsin. Think about that, guys. Think about what he was just telling you. Uh, an election in Wisconsin that nobody's really thinking about. One justice in one state could have an impact on our entire country. This is where we're going as a country, and, and this is this should really concern all of us. I mean, at one point, we're, we're going to have to put our politics aside and say, do we really want to live in a place where one election, one vote, one uh, percent can make a determination about which way this country goes. We have to stop living in a place where we're demanding that 49% be governed by the 51. We can't, we have to restore objectivity to certain cases. We can't have judges running on political reasons and, and, and planning and telling everybody ahead of time what they plan on doing when they become a judge based on their political ideology. That's not what America was envisioned to be. We have separation of, of, of government. We have a separate executive. We have separate, separate judicial. We have legislature. It's never supposed to be that every single institution is a political institution. And we have to get active. If you're a person who doesn't want to see politics politicized, if you don't want to see the mob rule in this country, what you have to do is those of you who never vote, those of you who never get involved in politics, those of you who never pick up the phone and call your elected representatives, you got to get involved. You can't just sit around and complain the way the country is going. What is happening now should concern all of you, because guess what? Someday it might happen to somebody you're supporting. Someday it might happen to somebody you care about. What if Hillary Clinton was locked up? How would you be feeling about that right now? If an airplane was taking off right now with Hillary Clinton heading to some some red state to be tried. We don't want it here. We don't want it there. Everybody needs to come together. I'm going against a break. I will talk to you again in two minutes. Do not go anywhere. And welcome back. To the second segment of the first ever David Pollack show. I hope you're having a good time. I hope you have been driving around maybe in traffic and you just got home and you're sitting in your garage. Man, I don't want to turn off this show. Don't. Just leave your garage door open. We can't lose any listeners. Not this early. So thank you for continuing to listen to our show. And I want to bring in my next guest. She is Mercedes Schlapp. She has the CPAC Foundation Senior Fellow and former Senior Advisor to President Trump in the White House and on the Trump 2020 campaign. She's also the Director of Specialty Media in the George W. Bush White House. She has an impressive resume. Welcome to the show, Mercedes Schlapp. 
Thanks, Dave, and, and congratulations on your show. This is exciting. It is exciting, and thank you so much. Now, I spoke to you a little over a year ago, and I, I was I was starstruck in a way because I've always watched you on TV, and here I am on The Buff Show, and we got to interview at CPAC. I'm like, this is the coolest thing. And now I get to talk Aww. to you again on my show. And so it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining. I don't know if you heard the show open, but we're talking about, you know, we have to talk about the President Trump indictment. I mean, that's what everybody's going to be talking about. In less than 24 hours, the news media is going to be filled with photos of, of mug shots, of fingerprinting and arraignments. It's a disgusting display of partisanship. I'm interested to know what you're thinking. Well, look, first of all, I hope they take that mug shot and make it into the next poster of the hope and change like they did with President <laughs> Obama. Give me a break. Like they're trying to make President Trump into uh, this this martyr figure. It's just an outrage what we're seeing in terms of this local district attorney basically weaponizing the rule of law, uh, basically abusing his power to take Donald Trump down. And I, I just got to tell you, like for all Americans, we need to be concerned uh, with what we're seeing happening right now coming out of new york and look this is something that the democrats i think in their own minds have been trying to plan for a long time on how they can get donald trump uh and i just think it's just such an outrage and i think you've seen even for example you know former attorney general bill barr someone who actually doesn't get along with the president anymore and he spoke out uh, strongly saying that this is like a banana republic, what we're seeing right now. Yeah. And uh, even like Jeb Bush coming out and saying, you know, this shouldn't this shouldn't happen. Uh, and, and this is not about justice. This is politically motivated. So you've got even these never Trumpers who are saying coming out, basically saying this uh, this should not happen here in the United States. This is about going after and persecuting the political opponent. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I hope that the the truth comes out. And, and I do believe the one thing I know about the president, I've spent um, a lot of time with him. He's a fighter. He is strong. He is not going to back down. And, uh, and I think that that, uh, you know, I think that's what you're going to see happen uh, in the days to come. Yeah. It's, it's, it's shocking to think um, that this is the new phase now, it seems, in the Democrats' war against Donald Trump, that now we're going to go out into the judicial system. I mean, first we, taught, we had two impeachments, one after he's not even president anymore. We had the Russia hoax, uh, a fake investigation uh, based on a fake dossier. I mean, the amount of, of trouble that the deep state and the left have gone to silence this man, and now they're going to go into the judicial system and—, and, and to yeah. what end? I mean, who will have any yeah. confidence? And if we don't have faith that you can stand before a judge and get a fair trial, if you can't get a fair jury, I mean, this is the bedrock of our democracy. If we don't have a system where we can face our accusers and feel like we're going to have a fair sh uh, shot at, at being, you know, freed of our crimes, where do we go from here? I mean, think about it. Do you think Donald Trump can get a fair trial in Manhattan? Can you even get a jury of your peers that don't hate you in Manhattan? I mean, everybody who liked Trump has moved to Florida at this point, right? Yeah, and I mean, I, that's one of the biggest challenges. And I think you're going to see his lawyers uh, try to move towards dismissal. I think yeah. you're trying to see uh, his lawyers basically also try to move uh, the case to another jurisdiction. Uh, you know, I think, they're, you know, it's going to be tough. It's like it's just such an uphill battle. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I think that we have to, you know, you want to believe that there's not a two-tier justice system. Um, but in this case, obviously, uh, they're going after Donald Trump. 
first and foremost. It doesn't stop with Donald Trump, this idea that you, you think that, you know, other people are not going to be impacted. I think you're going to see that um, it's going to get to a point that Republicans are going to be like, why do I even want to run for office if I'm always going to be targeted uh, by the left? It's the tactics that the left use. And I think that that's where uh, it becomes, you know, a big issue uh, for, I think, for Republicans in general who are seeking public office and and obviously for Donald Trump, who has been target number one for the left. Yeah, and and it's not just Trump. Trump is just the latest to fall. They've they've charged ten associates of Donald Trump over the past few years. I remember Steve Bannon. You know, we hit Roger Stone. I mean, this is just they're finally getting to Trump, and they're doing it at a time where they know he's relevant again. They did whatever they could to damage him politically, and now they're like, well, if you're not going to go away, we're just going to do to you what we did to everyone else. And all of these are on charges like lying to Congress. Has anybody ever told Congress the truth? And yet only Trump associates go to jail for lying to Congress. And, well, let me ask you this. I mean, Bill Clinton is your perfect example. Bill Clinton lied. He committed perjury. What, what, was he, what did they have him do? He paid a fine. Yeah. He lost his law license. You yeah. go down the, across the board when it comes to these Democrat uh, leaders. You know, Hillary Clinton, where they literally came up with and invented the steel dossier. No penalty. And so they get away with it. But when it comes to Republicans, it's just a whole different ballgame. And it just shows the intent of these of the left. And the fact is, they don't want Donald Trump to run again. Um, They are scared. They are concerned. They have, you know, called him every name under the sun. And they know that he remains one of the most powerful politicians uh, for the Republican Party. There's no question. So they will do what they can to take them down. Yeah, and you know, that, that's actually something I wanted to, to kind of segue into. It's originally what I was going to talk about before this indictment, and that is, what is it, you think, about Donald Trump that scares the bejesus out of Democrats? But not just Democrats. It scares the bejesus out of establishment Republicans. It scares the bejesus out of the deep state, foreign leaders. What is it about Donald Trump, that name? It makes their hair stand up. They're willing to go and forget the Constitution. We must do anything in our power to get rid of this man. What scares them so much about Donald Trump? Well, let's remember, (laughs) it was back when the president first uh, got into office. And one of the first things I remember that the Democrats would say and, and the fake news, they would say, President Trump is going to start World War III. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Remember that was a comment? And where are we right now under President Biden? Yeah. We're closer now to starting World War III than we ever have because we knew under President Trump that we were safer, we were more secure, we were more prosperous. And he was what, he, what I always loved about him, and again, I worked for two presidents, is that he was willing to break the China. He was willing to find a way to dismantle the deep state and, and take on, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, um, to basically get the job done. And that's what his focus has always been. And it's why he had four very successful years as president. And so he became a threat to these Democrats because he does have this great following. He does have this MAGA movement that's alive and well in America and continues to grow. And for them, they view that as, you know, a threat to their all of their leftist ideology, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's the gender ideology, for crying out loud, you've got this issue with Bud Light now that you have the trans activists becoming the face of Bud Light. It's like it just never ends. It doesn't stop for the left. And so, uh, you know, so now their goal of the left is indoctrinate the children, get the children, get them early, 
get them confused. And for Donald Trump, it was not like that. It was about protecting the family, protecting our, you know, our, our churches, protecting our communities, making sure we had border security, making sure that our national security was strong and making sure that we had economic security and energy independence. That was the message we were driving. And it was a fight against the globalists and the globalists were, you know, they want to be in power. This is what they want to do and uh, and make sure that they have control over the U.S. And it is it's very scary. So that is why the left and the globalists fear the threat of Donald Trump. Yeah. And it's not just World War Three. I mean, if if what China and Russia is planning on doing with taking uh, the United States no longer being the uh, global reserve currency, I mean, we'll wish for just World War Three. We're looking at economic collapse. What's happening under President Biden right now is so much worse than anything that thought could come from President Trump. I mean, Trump kept peace. All of our friends, allies and foes were safer. Under President Trump, the world was at peace under President Trump, historic peace in Israel under President Trump, historic peace in the Middle East under President Trump. Ukrainians didn't have to worry about Russia. We weren't sending billions of dollars to Ukraine because Russia wasn't invading them. That only happens when Democrats are in charge. Taiwan wasn't afraid of China. You know, we have a situation now with weak leadership in Washington, D.C., where the world is not a safe place. And forget World War III. The economic pain in this country that comes from a weak Joe Biden leadership is much worse. And that's something we need to pay attention to. But I think you're right, though. I, I think exactly what you're saying. That is why they fear Donald Trump. But here's the good news, and here's what gives me hope. You can't kill an idea. And Donald Trump, when he said America first, we're going to make America great again, he had an idea that the forgotten man would be forgotten no more, that we can manufacture in the United States, that we can do things in this country again. Do you remember when, when Barack Obama said 2% GDP is the new normal? We'll never see anything more than that. Obviously, that's not the truth. And so once the country realized we can manufacture again, we can drill again, we can be successful again, we could be the greatest in the world again. I think that scares both Democrats and Republicans, because how do you how do you how do you hold up that standard? No politician can ever hold up that standard. What do you think? I think that I think you're right. I mean, I think that that's there. He's just such. First of all, he's not a politician, which is what makes him so unique in this process. Right. And he's a man who has the vision for America, obviously probably one of the best communicators I've ever worked for, whether you like, you know, I know some people don't like his speech, which I, or I get it, or his post, I get it. But the reality is the man had a clear vision of what needed to happen here in the U.S. And it was very simple. It was putting the American people first. It was protecting the American people and ensuring that, uh, that we could grow as a nation and be strong as a nation. You know, when you look at other nations out there, and, they, you know, we through CPAC, we host CPACs across the globe. And we go and meet with our counterparts, parts, uh, whether it's in Mexico or Brazil or Israel or Hungary. It's all the same thing. They say, we are looking to America. If America falls and America no longer is that beacon of strength, uh, the, the world collapses. Like, the mere fact is we have to be worried about this dominance of China yeah. and this relationship that they have with Russia, where they are literally have are networking and investing in Latin America and in Africa and, and really taking hold of these other countries. And it's very dangerous. Uh, if we keep going in this direction. You're exactly right. It was a, it was so great having you on the show. I got to go to a hard break, and I hope you'll be back on the show. Lots to talk about. Everybody stay tuned. Tim Murtaugh is coming on next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mercedes Schlapp. Thank you. I got my first real six string. Boy, at the five and dime. 
promise you this, everybody. If you're at least not enjoying the words that are coming out of my mouth, you will enjoy the music, the David Pollock Show soundtrack. Maybe I'll make a CD or something someday if we still have those or whatever. Hey, you're listening on the radio. We could still have CDs, right? <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Um, I, we, I have, and I'm very, very, very thrilled to have my next guest, Tim Murtaugh, on the line. He's a lot of things, too. All my guests are superstars here, and that's why I'm humbled to have everybody on the show. But here I have the Vice President of Communication Strategy for the, ne- for the firm National uh, Public Affairs and the former Communications Director for President Trump's 2020 re-election campaign. Tim Murtaugh, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing well, David. Thank you very much. And let me it's an honor to be on your show, and I really appreciate it, and I wish you good luck. And it is an honor follow my good friend Mercedes Schlapp on your show. So it was really funny being on hold and hearing hearing Mercy's voice. That was nice. Yeah, they're awesome. What they do at CPAC is so great. And I'm, I know I've seen you at CPAC and, and what they do over there, the, the energy. You know, we go around the world and we try to hide being conservatives because it's not safe in public. But you go to CPAC and you're around all these people who are also conservative and the energy is great and you just feel so motivated to go and change the world when you leave that place. So what a great organization. But welcome yeah, to... doing a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm very excited to have you here. I mean, I want to get your take on what's going on. I mean, you've been with Trump a long time. I know you've been in the political game a long time. I know what everybody's saying right now. All the pundits are listening and saying, well, you know, this is great. This is the best thing. Congratulations, Mr. President. You just got reelected. Do you really think that this indictment helps Donald J. Trump in his campaign for POTUS? Well, yeah, I, let me answer that question. But first, I want to say, because and I'm glad you mentioned I'm with National Public Affairs, that firm, we, we are currently right now as a firm not affiliated with any of the candidates yes. either running for president or rumored to be running for president. And so uh, I just want to make sure that that's stated clearly. I, I do think that this helps uh, president, former President Trump, but I think it helps primarily in the Republican primary, and, and it, I think definitely gives him a boost. Uh, in the Republican primary. How it plays in the general election, I think, remains to be seen. Uh, I do think that it is notable that you see all of the other either declared candidates or people who we all expect to be candidates, like Ron DeSantis, for example, and Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a declared candidate. Uh, Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia, came out, and, and all of these folks are expressing the same sentiment as we're, we've been talking about, how outrageous this is, how this is a political prosecution, and how this is a bell that the Democrats can't unring, yeah. that, that this is third-world nation kind of stuff, people using the government and the criminal justice apparatus to go after their political opponents. All Republicans are on the same page on this, and I think it should transcend just the Republican Party and, and Republican politics. I think all Americans really should be bothered by this. Because this is this is the sort of thing that we criticize about other countries, about places like Russia and China, who jail their political opponents, and in some cases worse, of course. Uh, but, uh, you know, all Americans should be looking at this and say this is terrible. So I do think that uh, it really plays into what, a lot of what the president's messaging strategy uh, usually is, where he will tell his supporters, look, they're really after you. I'm just the guy who's in the way. And I think that's a message that his his voters really respond to. And I think it's a message that a lot of Republicans will gravitate to for sure. Um, you know, does this carry him to victory? I think it's a little early to declare it over as far as the nomination process on the Republican side. But this certainly helps him, I believe. You know, and I'm always impressed uh, with the Democrats inability 
um, to realize when they've taken things too far. I mean, as good as they are at campaigning, when it comes to political strategy, they seem to think once they got a fish on the line that they're automatically going to reel them in. And they always let it out too long because they'll go carry the impeachment thing well beyond when they should have. They'll even lockdowns. Anytime the Democrats put a political strategy in the place, they always just say, hey, it's working. Let's just keep it going until it doesn't anymore. And you have to wonder, you know, and, and I and I love our former president. I hope he's president again. I think he did an amazing job. And I think he's probably the, one of the only people that are going to be able to come back in and put our country back on track as quick as it needs to be done. But that being said, you know, he's been gone a couple of years. You know, people still have been able to look at other options. You have a lot of Republicans putting their name in the hat for 2024. I mean, Ron DeSantis being one of them. A lot of people love him and like, hey, maybe maybe somebody else wants to get a shot. And just when you thought that, okay, maybe Trump was wearing out his welcome, the Democrats go and do this. And I agree with you. I, I do think this is going to re- re-energize the Republican base. What's interesting to me, I think that I saw a poll that something like 86 uh, percent of Republicans thought this was a political prosecution. I'm wondering if the other 14 percent of Republicans are uh, that don't yeah. think it's a political <laughs> prosecution. But that being said, what do you think? Do you think that now Trump is going to become not only relevant again, but inspiring again? This might reignite a base that might have been falling asleep. What do you think? Well, that's, I mean, that really uh, goes to a lot of why I think it does help him. And I think, you know, you're talking about who are the 14 percent of the Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably most of those are, are named Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> but going going uh, back to your point about how the Democrats take things too far, they don't realize how much they've bitten off. To me, this reminds, it's not as, you know, sexy and, and mind-blowing as a former president turning himself in after being indicted. That's This is like a new story that we've never seen before. Yeah. But it's very much like what, the, what happened when the Democrats removed the filibuster for federal judge approval in the Senate, right? They removed the 60-vote vote threshold and said, for federal judge appointments, you only have to get a simple majority. And the Republican senators warned them and said, listen, if you do this, you cannot close this box again, because the next step will be to get rid of the filibuster for Supreme Court justices one step further and warn the Democrats, don't do this because that's what's going to happen. And the Democrats did it anyway. And the next thing you know, Donald Trump gets three Supreme Court justices to a point, and the Democrats can't, can't believe that they let that, that happen to themselves. But that, they made a big mistake by opening that door. Republicans walked right through it because they believe, what, it's never going to be used against them. If they set a new rule, that new rule will never come back on them. They just don't see the, the, the long play, I don't think. You know, and that's interesting that you say that. I One of the most common conversations that I have after, you know, we have this type of discussion is, well, wait until we do it to them. You know, and that's what a lot of people are suggesting. When What happens you know, now? We need to play their game. We need to go and get red states to prosecute Hillary Clinton and, and prosecute, you know, the, the Bidens. And, and, and I, I pause and I go, the secret to winning isn't being like them. You know, evil doesn't defeat evil. I think our best strategy, personally, I think, is to take the moral high road. We do need to work harder than them. We do need to get our people in there. We need to get our judges elected so we can actually have justice in this country. Uh, one of the, and you heard me talking to Scott Pressler earlier, talking about how important that Wisconsin Supreme Court election is. I mean, that's the thing. If we, and what's crazy is that we have to get a, a conservative judges appointed just to have fair justice in this country. But once we get the right judges in place, judges that will actually be objective. And once we get the right politicians in place to actually do the work of the American people, I wonder if not then we're able to move past this and really work together as a nation. Or do you think we're at a point where we have to play their game? We have to start prosecuting their people. And until you know we're harvesting ballots, until we're beating them at their own game, does it stop? I mean, what do you think? 
I would not. I would never support, and I would never celebrate uh, the political prosecution of someone just because he was a political opponent. Uh, that's why I think what's going on uh, with President Trump in the Manhattan DA's office is such a travesty, because this is not a crime. I don't believe. Now, I'm not familiar with all the cases, all the facts in this case. However, people who are familiar with all of the facts in this case, such as the U.S. attorney, who is the federal prosecutor, and the Federal Election Commission. Both of those entities took a path on prosecuting this case, or in the case of the FEC, bringing an action against President Trump. But the Manhattan DA, who campaigned on attacking President Trump, that's why he won his election and became the DA in Manhattan, in New York City. He campaigned on this. He decided he's got a case. And so here's a guy, the DA, Alvin Bragg, who has uh, downgraded 52% of the cases in his office from felonies down to misdemeanors, is now taking what should be a federal charge, which is an election a campaign finance, should be a federal charge. He's taking it into state court, elevating a campaign finance allegation to felony status yeah. and going after the former president because he campaigned on the idea that that is exactly what he was going to do. This is a sham prosecution. I would never support this no matter who the target was. And then what's crazy about this is it's just the first of many. You've already heard the prosecutor in Fulton County talking about she's going to make a decision any day about whether or not she's going to charge President Trump for election tampering. I mean, this is just the first shot in this new war against the president and using these courts. I mean, where do we go from here? Now, I, now I, I agree with you. I would never jeopardize our constitutional republic and just for political purposes, because as a country, we're so much more than politics. We have to get to the place where it's not Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative. We're all Americans. And if we don't stop and pay attention to the fact that the rest of the world is looking at us celebrating our division, China certainly is, Russia certainly is, the world is excited that we don't get along. I mean, when they start to see the pictures of Donald Trump with his fingerprints down, standing in front of a judge, Man, they're going to be celebrating in China and Russia. How ridiculous do we look when we're trying to lead the cause of liberty around the world, when we lead by example and say America is the place where you can go be free of these despots that are ruining your life? Well, man, if I'm in North Korea right now, I'm looking at the news going, oh, man, I guess it's not much better across the border. Might as well stay here. I mean, what this does isn't just bad for America. It's bad for the world, for those people who risk their lives crossing oceans or borders to try to come to a place that's free. And then they see the president of the United States being charged. How can the yeah. country ever heal from this? Where do we go from here, Tim? Well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how you step back from, from this kind of animosity. And, I, you know, look, and I, I do politics for a living. I'm not going to pretend that we play nice on our side right. and they're the ones who play dirty. How, however, this is an extraordinary, extraordinary set of circumstances. Let's, let's play a little uh, thought experiment here. Let's suppose that Donald Trump, after leaving the White House in January of 2021, let's say he decided just to go back to private business, retire from, from political life, and he decided not to run for the White House again. Is there any doubt in your mind that there's no way that the DA would have picked up this case? Right. The only reason this case is being prosecuted is because Donald Trump decided to run for the White House again. If he had walked away, the DA wouldn't have done a blessed thing. I am 100% 100 convinced of that.
Well, and, you know, they will find a place to convict him for something at some point. I mean, you only have to get in front of enough juries before you get a bad verdict. And what does that bad verdict mean to this country? I mean, I don't even think this is something that our framers even considered the possibility of being true. I mean, and I know Corey Mills is going to come up after the break. And this is something I want to ask him from a federal uh, perspective, because I'm curious on what we can do. Uh, to protect Americans from this sort of of state by state political uh, prosecutions, I mean, this is this is something that I wouldn't even know, even if he is convicted. What that means, by the way, and I'm sure anybody who's read the Constitution knows, Trump can be convicted and still become president. There's nothing that says he can't be president, even if he's convicted. I mean, we'll have to get him a really nice cell somewhere where he can have it access to the phone and the political fo- and the nuclear football. But either way, um, it doesn't matter. You can't beat Trump, even if you convict him. I think that's what we're... What do you think? Well, I look, I'm not going to get that far ahead. <laughs> this is this is a trial that is not even going to occur yeah. until well beyond Election Day 2024. Um, there's, there is no chance that this trial in any way actually interferes with the, the calendar of the of the upcoming presidential election. So, you know, and talk talk of what would happen after a, uh, a possible conviction is, so I think, extremely premature. I yeah. think it's a very weak case. A lot of the yeah. a lot of the legal commentators on the networks, you know, not just Fox, but on the networks are really struggling to defend this as a sound, sound criminal case against President Trump. It's why the federal prosecutor passed on it. It's why yeah. the FEC didn't even bring its uh, campaign finance violations against the, against the president. So, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not going to prejudge what would happen in the event of a No, I know. I'm just I'm just trying to take the wind out of their sails and hopefully end some of these prosecutions by saying it doesn't matter. You can't get rid of them. <laughs> Tim oh, Murtaugh, yeah. thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully you'll be a, a frequent guest because we have lots to talk about. We are just getting started with this insanity season. So uh, I hope to talk to you again real soon. And thanks for being a part of our show. Well, I certainly appreciate the opportunity and best of luck to you. Well, thank you so much. Welcome back to the David Pollack Show. Final segment coming up. Best soundtrack in all of talk radio right here on 94.9950 AM. The answer, Orlando. I am joined now by CD7's newest congressman who's kicking butt in Washington, D.C. Promises made, promises kept, doing everything he told people he was going to do, getting record results for our district, giving people, hard, hardworking people back exactly what they expect from their government. Corey Mills, welcome to the David Pollack Show. Thank you so much, and congratulations on the new show, David. Hey, thank you very much. This is, uh, it's an honor for me to be on the air. It's an honor to have people listen to me, and it's an honor to have you on the show. Now, I want to talk to you about a couple of things, but before I get into that, I want to ask you about what's going on. But President Trump, I mean, this has everybody just, everybody's up in arms right now, confused about what is happening in this country, these political prosecutions. What I want to talk to you about is this. I mean, the federal government has a role to play when states step outside the realm of the Constitution. And I'm wondering what we can do to protect not only the president, but American citizens for being prosecuted for political purposes in states. I mean, is there anything we can do at the federal level to protect Americans? Well, absolutely we can. I mean, that was the whole reason why we committed to the idea of the Subcommittee on Weaponization of Federal Government, which is headed by Congressman Jim Jordan. And the fact that Alvin Bragg has admitted to the fact that he is utilizing federal funding with regards to the investigation itself, that opens him up to oversight accountability investigations and review. 
And so uh, I think that he is setting a very dangerous precedence. I think the fact that he is trying to take on a case, which other uh, DAs have actually turned down because there was not enough uh, evidence to actually try to prove such a thing, the fact that he elevated from a misdemeanor to a felony, the fact that he's looking at a gag order. And here's the comical irony. You know this as a lawyer. The penalty on the gag order is actually higher than the penalty if he was to be charged on what he's being accused of. You know, it's just one of those odd things where they're actually doing their best to try and create additional hurdles so that they can try and catch him in something because they have nothing. I mean, you even have Stormy Daniels herself who had a written and signed letter very clearly stating that there was no quote-unquote hush money that was actually provided or any type of transaction. So, you know, this is very obviously political persecution. This is a way to, that, you know, and, and people said, no, he's not. Yes, D.A. Alvin Bragg did receive funding from George Soros when he ran. During his entire run, he announced time and time again that I will go after President Donald Trump. So we knew from the beginning that this is all about political persecution and that he was going to try and weaponize his position. When President Trump announced and the poll numbers started showing where he was leading in the polls and that he will become the next president of the United States, that's when you saw this continuation for where we need to move now and weaponize things so we can try and bring him down. Unfortunately, D.A. Alvin Bragg should be given the MVP award because he's now actually the biggest fundraiser for President Trump that they have. No. Yeah, it, 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 it's 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 insane to me that this is where we're going with that. And now the biggest what I, what's really upsetting here is that there's a lot of stuff going on outside of this Trump indictment. I mean, we're, and we're going to talk about this right now. I mean, you just issued articles of impeachment against Lloyd Austin, something you promised to do for the failures in Afghanistan withdrawal. Yeah. You know, service members killed for no good reason other than incompetence at the highest levels. I mean, but this is just the tip of the iceberg with all the other things that are going on in this country right now. Yet this distraction and which is probably intentional, this distraction now of not just this indictment, but every indictment thereafter until November of 2024. I mean, it's taken away from the important work that's going on and the important things that the country needs to be paying attention to leading up to the next election. We don't need to be providing cover to Joe Biden. But I want to play an audio clip real quick. Um, this is actually you. Uh, t- uh, when you uh, issued your article or told the, uh, Lloyd Austin that you'd be issuing articles of impeachment against him. Let me go ahead and play the cut. That is why, Secretary Austin, and based on further hearings and investigations, I've already drafted my articles of impeachment for the dereliction of duty. I do feel there needs to be accountability at the top and at the highest levels. And I hope that we can get true accountability with future hearings and investigations and your testimonies that would actually either substantiate or discredit my beliefs. With that, I yield back. Gentleman's time's expired. Gentleman from Texas, Mr. VC is recognized for five minutes. Yeah. And the gentleman's time is just getting started. Congressman Mills. Well, and again, you know, the, the whole thing with that, David, is, is that I asked Secretary Austin and I asked General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, very clearly, if an officer can and is removed for dereliction of duty. They both said yes and confirmed. I then read them what, my, what, what I anticipate or what I see as the perception of dereliction of, and willful dereliction of duty, they both agreed. I then read everything from his failure to get a status of forces agreement to his inability to try and actually withdraw our troops from Syria, which is a unnecessary war, to his uh, botched Afghanistan withdrawal, to the pronoun DEI and 25,000 reduction recruitment that is going on, where we're actually having an issue across the entire armed forces. I laid it out through a series of different things that he has done which is a willful and direct dereliction of duty, 
And it's for that reason that I've issued my draft for impeachment papers. I don't think that he should be the last. I think Secretary Mayorka needs to be impeached for the you know, atrocities that are going on in our, in our southern border. The fact that we have narco-terrorists who are making $13 billion a year, half of which is on human uh, sex trafficking of women and children. I think that we should have an impeachment of Secretary Blinken, who has continually failed as well. The botched withdrawal is also on his shoulders. And when I was in a, a hearing with him, he admitted that keeping the safety and security of Americans abroad is my role and responsibility. Well, that was a clear failure when you leave thousands of Americans to die at the hands of a terrorist organization like ISIS, Khorasan, Haqqani Network, and Taliban. We need real accountability. There is a two-tier justice system in America today, David, where we have not seen people properly held accountable at that appointee level of secretary. And I think that that's wrong. And so these same individuals who would absolutely utilize a four-star general or an undersecretary of state as a scapegoat to be fired, to be removed, to be relieved of command, when they are actually, as a leader, responsible and accountable at the top, in my opinion, that time ends now. And so you're right. My time is just beginning. Secretary Austin and my, you know, myself being on the House Armed Services Committee, this is part of my purview, as is the House Foreign Affairs with, with the Secretary of State. So this is only one of the, the few things that I'm going to be working on to try and ensure accountability for those 13 brave service members who lost their lives and for their Gold Star families. Yeah, and I, re- and I was watching that, that testimony and, uh, that, that Secretary Austin was giving. Did you kind of feel like he was almost conceding? The dereliction of duty. Yeah. He almost seemed like he he knew that he kind of felt responsible and guilty. Did just this there was this look on his face, almost like he realized that I wonder if the people serving this administration don't realize that what's going on is wrong and they don't feel guilty about it. I mean he just he did look defeated, didn't he? He looked very defeated and he actually stared down most of the time, took his glasses off and just kind of put his head down. Um, almost like a scolded child. And um, you know, his only retort was is well, in my 41 years of military service, I've got over six years in combat, and I've, you know, I was one of the main people in Bagram. That's not an actual <laughs> defense. If anything, you just have admittance to the fact that we should have held Bagram. You have admittance to the fact that you should have known better than putting political optics over military strategy to endanger the lives of Americans and your soldiers. And so his, his retort, which was after the time, and one of my Democrat you know, colleagues on the left is one that afforded him the time to try and give more answer was nothing more than admission, in my opinion. And so he's not doing himself any favors because he knows himself that what he has done is a failure in leadership and dereliction of duty and that he should have resigned, but instead my impeachment will go forward. And and rightfully so. I wonder, and just my my workers and and, and Austin and and the— Litany of other people that that should be answering um, for a lot of the failures of their departments. How much of it is following orders? Well, look, there's a difference in being able to follow orders. And if that's the case, he can simply say, I made recommendations to the contrary of what President Biden had selected to do, and he went against my will. But there was other members in the Armed Services Committee who actually asked that very question. They said, well, you were against, you and General Milley were against the uh, how the, I, the withdrawal was conducted. Both. And General Milley shook his head yes, and Austin went on record to correct him and said, well, I've never actually provided my, my position, so I can't say that I'm in opposition of what the president had said. Yeah. And then when he was asked by Congressman Jim Banks, do you have any regrets regarding Afghanistan, Secretary Austin doubled down again and said, I have no regrets. 
Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful that at least some point that some of these people will, will stand up against the bad leadership and say, hey, look, I'm just following orders. And at least some point we can get to some accountability uh, in the last two minutes. You, know what? you had people like that. You had Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, yeah. who was tossed under the bus for actually right. calling out leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then that's unfortunately where we're at, where our whistleblowers are thrown under the bus and their whistleblowers are celebrated regardless of whether or not they're telling the truth. In the, in the last two minutes, I want to turn it back to uh, Trump real quick, because, I mean, in, in 24 hours, we're not going to be talking about anything else. And in less than a few hours, he's going to be standing in front of a corrupt prosecutor, and hopefully he gets a good judge in Manhattan. Um, what can we do? Uh, and I know that you were going to talk to some of your colleagues on the judicial side to see what, what what hope can you give Americans that this isn't the beginning of just a litany of political prosecutions? Well, look, at the end of the day, that's the exact reason why we brought back the Senator Frank Church-style committees was to be able to go ahead and ensure that we can't just go after funding, but we can go after the individuals themselves to uh, levy our own criminal references. And so I think that Alvin Bragg opens himself up wide here. I think that he's setting a very dangerous precedence and that if he really wants to take this route, not only could he be investigated for what he is doing, which I find to be a corruption and trumped up charges, but also Hunter Biden, also Joe Biden, also the, the entire Biden crime family. Look, the bottom line is, is that he knew when he was doing this that it's not going to stick. He has nothing on the president whatsoever. There's no proof. Michael Cohen has even said there was no proof. Stormy Daniels herself signed a letter saying there's no proof. So at the end of the day, they're continuing to try and go after this kangaroo court style, you know, banana republic, third, you know, world type of, of, of uh, litigation. And it's something that the federal government should not be able to stand. And so I'm hoping that with the help of Congressman Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee, which I'm not a member of, um, that they'll be able to go ahead and start raising an investigation into, you know, Alvin Bragg and how the money is being allocated into these investigations. Yeah, and I think that's hope for Americans, and I hope that we keep hearing that coming out of D.C. especially, is that, hey, guys, don't worry, we have your back, because I know there's other people that are just chomping at the bit to get a piece of Trump, and if they have to pay the price for stepping out of line and politically prosecuting American citizens, it's not going to be just their state. They're going to have to answer to that, and that gives us a lot of hope. Congressman Mills, thank you so much for being a part of the show, and I look forward to you being a regular guest, and thank you so much for your service. Thank you so much, David. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed the first ever David Pollack show. I quickly want to thank my family, my friends, uh, Matt Buff and Carl Jackson, for giving me opportunities on this on this platform to uh, have this opportunity to have the show. So please tune in next week, Mondays, every night, 7 p.m. I look forward to hearing you, seeing you guys again soon. Take care.